आप सुन रहे हैं वाव कनेक्ट संगम साहित्य और कला का हेलो नमस्कार सत्याकाल आदाब एंड वेरी वॉम वेलकम टू आवर पॉडकास्ट हमने शॉर्टलिस्टेड ऑथर्स की सीरीज शुरू करी थी और उसी को जारी रखते हुए आज वी हैव येट अनादर शॉर्टलिस्टेड ऑथर ऑन बोर्ड योवानिका इज गुड नो टेल एस ऑल द डिटेल्स इन शॉर्ट वाइल फ्रॉम नाउ थैंक यू फॉर ट्यूनिंग इन टू आव कनेक्ट Stay tuned with me Nidhi and with me Yavanika we are speaking today with Arunava Sinha who has translated the book Tiger Woman or Shardul Sundari as it was published in the Bangla by Shishu Bandopadhyay and this book is about amongst many other things the first circus in India the first Indian circus in India a certain sense of athleticism and pride in athletic ability sporting ability and uh, i don't want to get into too many spoilers so what i'm going to ask nidhi to do is to read the blurb of this book for us and then we'll discuss the author and the translator before jumping straight into the interview so this is around 1880s in calcutta when uh, nationalism is on the rise and the bengali intellectuals are leading the protest against british rule in india in this charged climate unpatriot priyanath bose prepares to set up the first bengali circus and soon he discovers an exceptional young girl sushila and trains her to be a trapeze artist as the circus flourishes and big animal acts are introduced sushila and the tigers become the star attractions but the prize sushila craves is unattainable as priyana a married man is forced to reject her love for him jilted she begins a relationship with a fellow circus artist but he may not be as loyal as sushila believes and his escape acts are now a bigger hit than sushila sundari and the tigers at once a riveting page turner and an uncommon historical novel tiger woman places this tragic love triangle in an era of patriotism as the circus then becomes a metaphor for a frustrated social revolution why don't you tell us about the original writer and Of course, Mr. Arunavasana. Yes, of course. The original writer, Mr. Shesho Bandhapadya, is a journalist and author who is currently associated with the Bengali daily Aajkal and the German broadcaster Deutsche Welle. He often writes for other publications. Tiger Woman, which was originally published in Bangla as Shardul Sundari, is Shesho's first novel. He has published four other novels, with the most recent being Tero Nadir Pare, forthcoming in English translation. Now for a description of Arunava Sinha who translates classic modern and contemporary Bengali fiction and non-fiction into English. Over 45 of his translations have been published so far. Twice the winner of the Crossword Translation Award for Shankar Chaturangi and Anita Agnihotri 17. He has also won the Muse India Award for translation for When the Time is Right and he's been shortlisted for the Independent Foreign Fiction Prize for that wonderful translation of Chaturangi. He's currently based in New Delhi where he teaches at Ashoka University. and of course this book also has been shortlisted in our PFC Wow Book Awards 2020 under the category translated into English from regional language and uh, a note before we start on the interview which we will straight away is to the designer of this book's cover because it's also quite a remarkable quite a striking cover beautiful it is and so for that just a, a quick note of sukanya ghosh who's designed this cover and uh, now we're going to get into the book itself and more than that about translation and life so here's arunava sinha hello and a very warm welcome to all our listeners and an especially warm welcome with our guest today mr arunava sinha i wish i had longer time to introduce him but he is one of india's foremost and most prolific translators currently 
and he has been for the past several years. So, this book, Tiger Woman, has been shortlisted in the PFC Vow 2020 Book Awards under regional translations. He's translated this from the Bangla, which is by Sri Shobhanandapadhyay. Our first question, Mr. Sinha, is just general. How did you get into the process of becoming a translator? Um, thank you for uh, having me on your show. Uh, I think I began as a translator a long time ago, and as almost any translator will tell you, there's no specific line you cross when you say, "I am now a translator." So you you stumble onto it part accidentally, partly by design and experimentation, which was my case. Uh, this was back in college soon afterwards when we launched a city magazine in Calcutta, and we used to publish a short story in translation every month. And I used to translate them initially, so that was how I began translating. Um, at the end of three years, when we ran out of money and the magazine folded, four years actually. Um, but in that period, uh, uh, one of the best-known novelists in Bangla at that time, Shankar, uh, asked me to translate one of his, perhaps his best-known novel, Chorangi. It was meant to be a translation for a French publisher to consider publishing it, and he, the publisher in question, wanted to read an English version before taking his. decision so i translated it for the writer at that point english language publishing in india was not very well developed i'm talking about 1992 right. and uh, i just handed over the translation to him he paid me a fee which at that point was two months salary for me so it was a very large sum and i moved immediately afterwards from calcutta to delhi which is mostly where i've been since then Except for two years in Bangalore, um, so I I really forgot about the whole translation business for a long time. Then 14 years later, an editor from Penguin Books called me and said they wanted to publish Chorangi in translation. By now, English language publishing was a big thing, mm-hmm. and and the author had sent them my translation, and so that was how I really I would say started off translating to be published. So this would be around the late 2000s then. This no much uh, even slightly later 2006. I think it started out initially with translating books that I loved, and that publishers also were keen on publishing. So it was not discriminatory in terms of who had written them or what the, what the larger story was. It was just purely on the strength of the book itself. So since then, I've been looking at uh, books which, of course, have to be very good in their own right, at least as far as my judgment goes, but also in terms of whether they um, give a voice to writers who who are not normally heard. Too loud mm. outside their own language or their own ecosystem, and sometimes not even within them. So these factors have have played a role in choosing what books to translate. Yes, and that really I think reflects also with this book, with Tiger Woman, which uh, you know Shishu Bandhapadya's book, because I see what you mean about it having tremendous literary quality, but also being I found it truly very absorbing, a fascinating portrait, not just of. one certain location and one certain circus but of the nation itself so how did you come across this book how did you first encounter uh, Shardul Sundari yes so i've been reading about the main person who with the book talks about priyanka bose in a diary which was uh, priyanka bose's diary which was relaunched or republished uh, a few years ago and when i was reading this it was it is of course full of incredible details and very minute account of his day to day life so it was hard to get the big picture but i one of the things i do uh, to try to uh, locate new books especially because i live in delhi so i'm not in 
because I'm not in Calcutta, I don't get to always visit the bookstores and browse, is to read the review columns of newspapers. And I came across a review of this particular book, which seemed to fit in both with what I was reading then and very exciting in its own right. So I got all of the book, read it. I didn't even read the whole thing. I just started reading it and I knew that, okay, this is a book I think that I'd love to translate. Well, and uh, you know, another question that I have is how much interaction did you end up having with the author, if any, with Shishu Gondopadhyay? Well, in this case, it turned out that Shishu is roughly my contemporary. Yes. So we actually ended up chatting about a lot of things, but not a great deal specifically about this book, but about his writing in general. And then uh, we also uh, traveled together, or rather, we ended up together at a translation workshop in Norwich. Um, in the in the summer of 2018, I think. So we actually translated at the workshop. We translated a little bit of this book. Oh, yeah. So Shisho was there as well. So that was quite exciting. And we even made and there was there was a, a pitch session where you pitched your translation to um, publishers locally. And so we even pitched it and publishers they were quite excited about it. So it was all all quite uh, uh, immersive in that sense. You know, maybe not specifically about the lines and phrases and words in the text but certainly around the entire experience of mm-hmm. translating it. And about the story itself and the history. Which yeah. Is, oh, yeah. Really Absolutely. Yes. In fact, yes. I was trying to locate more and more visuals, but uh, unfortunately, there's very little. Um, the next question is about the narrative of the book itself, and it has a very distinct style where almost every chapter the character will change, and therefore, although, of course, it's centered around certain protagonists, so therefore, it's so easy to sympathize with every character, also because they all seem fundamentally good people. As a translator, did you notice that there was a distinct change in expression? And on a personal level, which character were you the most invested in? Um, yeah, so as a translator, you always, at least if you are paying attention, then you have to be very closely tuned to the timber of the text and uh, figure out whether there is a change in voice, tone, pitch, music. In fact, translating the meaning, the dictionary meaning of every word or phrase or sentence is actually the easiest aspect of translation. Uh, it is really what you hear in your head rather than what you see and analyze with your eyes. That's the part that's toughest. You have to listen. Mm-hmm. You have to listen closely, the silences, the rhythm, the beat, etc. So personally, I was very interested in the conjurer story, Ganapati. Yes, yes. You know, this is not a scripted question, but I was watching you in a podcast the other day and you were talking about how every time you meet a new person, you tend to characterize them as somebody you've translated, as a character from one of the books that you've translated. <laughs> so, have you encountered yeah. anybody from the space of Tiger Woman in real life yet? <laughs> Good question. No, although I, I said that very specifically in the context of Right. work, I'm sure I have. I mean, I can't pinpoint uh, right now. But I have certainly met uh, extremely talented uh, artists who are in some way tortured by their own genius. And while that sounds like a bit of a cliche, it is a cliche. All cliches are true at their heart, after all. Which is why everyone uh, has encountered them and start thinking of them as not unique. Another thing that I noticed is that animals, in all reference to animals, they're exalted. You know, they are mm-hmm. very much, even in passing reference, they're credited as skilled, affectionate creatures and. In that sense, the text is very lovely towards all its characters, not just the humans, but also the animals, and even with Scott yes. in the end. But we don't want to get into spoilers. Spoilers. So but yeah, I think that Shishu did a very close reading of 
both uh, Professor Bosch's professors, as they were called, <laughs> for some reason, people who ran circuses have, uh, were given this, given the prefix of professor. So yeah, he he read Leonard Bosch's own writing and the writing around that time very closely um, to be able to develop this empathy. Yes, and even that vivid understanding of why Sushila was able to go so fearlessly into the tiger's cages, and you know that distinction that is made between she goes at the age of ten years old and she sees that circus and she says that this tiger is just afraid of her. This yes. tiger doesn't love the woman. Yes, and, and that difference it comes out very beautifully. Mm. So to reroute, uh, what is your favorite part of the book? Um, that would be a spoiler. Really. Oh, okay. Then I have another question. Yeah, but I am interested. I, I mean, I really like the part where you know, um, where she realizes to the child and her relationship with Priyamath is just growing. Yes. Uh, there, there's something very authentic about the, those uh, those bits. Yes. So you were discussing earlier that the easiest part of translation is just the literal translation. As for you, as a translator, what is often the trickiest part to to get across in English, the trickiest part is usually conversation, because every individual speaks in a distinct way, and a good writer in the original language will manage to make ten people speak in ten unique ways. You need to protect those the differences in their registers when you are translating them into another language. Um, so that is usually the toughest, and yet not sound weird uh, while going to. So I mean, you know, you must eventually come up with lines that sound like people would speak. Right. And at the same time, so you know, for example, you and I, right now, I think if if um, if anyone read what we were saying, perhaps they would yes. be able to tell us apart to a great extent. Yes. But if they heard us, they certainly would. And I don't just mean because of the difference in our voices. Even if we yeah. sound, even if our voices were identical, we still sound different. Yeah. It is this difference which you hear when you when you read dialogue that you need to somehow bring out, so that when the reader is reading them and is hearing the dialogue in their head, they are hearing it with the same nuances and the same characteristics as in the original. Exactly, that the personhood is so well established that it then follows what the conversation sounds like. That's a really yes, that absolutely makes sense. And thank you so much for that. Uh, now an odd personal question, which is that: Have you had any personal experiences with the circus? I've been there as a child, like uh, like many people of our generation. Uh, you know, but the interesting thing was that when I went to school, which was the Don Bosco Park Circus, uh, the Park Circus in, in in that name comes from a very large, a huge park. Uh, in fact, it's not even a park; it's, it's a very large uh, space of green. And the Kemi Circus used to come and pitch tent there every winter. So during the winter months, all the way from November till school closed in December, and then sometimes in January and February as well, we would hear the animals just across the road from our classroom. And there was this time, you know, it, you would hear the tigers roar. Uh, but also make this other strange sound, which was very easy for us to emit. So all of us sitting in class would do that to annoy the teacher. <laughs> that particular sound, and it was—I mean, I can do it for you since this is a podcast. Yes. So I'm going to actually try and make that sound. It's quite vividly etched in my memory. So this is what we do. We go. <laughs> <laughs> but that does sound. Actually, that does yeah. really recall the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very effective, and it was the teachers, and it was a stupid game because then the teachers would say, "Who did that?" And we say, "Sir, that was the tiger across the road," and everyone would go up in peals of laughter, thinking we were being very witty. 
And that is actually a lovely story. And uh, again, this was not a scripted question, but I'm suddenly prompted to ask you, uh, what about your own experiments in writing? Have you thought about writing perhaps in Bangla, perhaps in English, your own work? No. I mean, the more I translate, which also means I read such fantastic literature, the less am I inclined to write something <laughs> that will only add to the noise of mediocrity. Right. So, you know, instead of struggling with something that has come out of my own head entirely, I'd much rather translate three good books at time. Excellent. And so our last main question, which is, what are the big books that you're translating right now? Um, well, so if you ask me what I'm translating right now, I've, I've just finished. Uh, there are three or four uh, books that are lying with publishers at the moment, and perhaps the most difficult work that I've done in my entire uh, translating life is currently with the publisher. It's a, it's a novel named Khwa Brahma. It's written by a, a writer from Bangladesh named Dr. Zaman Ilyas, who only wrote two novels in his entire life. It's an extraordinary novel and really it's very hard to describe it in words, but it's a combination of uh, subaltern history, uh, magical realism, political reality. Uh, yeah, it's, it's everything that almost everything that fiction can have. It's all in there. It's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary book. Um, I've also just finished a, a very interesting book which uh, was originally passed off as a work of non-fiction but since then scholars are divided about whether it's a genuine memoir or whether it was actually fiction aimed with uh, artificially constructed with real life events. So what might be called auto-fiction or passion today. Mm. It's, it's tentatively, I mean the working title is something like uh, the memoir of a woman, in, of an educated woman in prostitution. So it's a very slim book, it's barely about 35,000 words but it's, it's quite a telling, telling book. So that's what I've just finished and it's, gone, it's with the publisher now. And so I'll be starting next, there are two books I'll be working on, both uh, coincidentally are from writers from Bangladesh. One is written by uh, a writer from Bangladesh who now has been living in Australia for the longest time. It's again a, a novel which is really based entirely on her own experiences of suffering from uh, psychosis. The other is a, is a thick literary novel by another writer from Bangladesh which, which uh, came out in Bangladesh a couple of years ago to great acclaim. So I'll be working on that, yeah. Well, I am honestly, uh, I quite apologize for my question about asking whether you'll ever consider writing because this is actually a formidable, fascinating list of translations lined up. I can't wait for a couple of these especially to come out. I hope to see them by next year. If uh, Do you think it'll be out by next year? I hope so. Um, at least one of them, the Khobnama uh, was originally supposed to come out this year, but they postponed it for obvious the yeah. So now, now it's scheduled for next year. The others that are currently with publishers are scheduled for either very late this year or early next year. So lots to look forward to then. And uh, as a concluding question, is there any message on the importance of translation that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I mean, I'd state the obvious. <laughs> Read more books from in translation, not because they are in translation, but because they are from parts of the world that you yourself don't inhabit and perhaps don't know the language of because uh, more and more I think we need to know what what our world is like in all its diversity and all the different worlds, it's not even one world and we tend to shut ourselves so much into our own homogeneity and it has now become very very politically correct in, in and I use that word deliberately, it has become very politically correct to be monolithic and to claim uh, yeah. membership of the majority, whatever that your majority might be and completely cancel everybody else. 
So I think reading translated uh, literature and translation is one great way of reminding yourself that you cannot cancel anyone or any group or any country or any nation at all. Very well said. And uh, I again, this just suddenly has struck me as something I'd like your opinion on. What do you feel about the importance of translating from one bhasha to another, of translation from one Indian language to another, also so that the scope of distinct styles of literature across different states is made accessible? Oh, it's super important. It's 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 a real tragedy that what used to be a very strong and robust tradition of translating between the languages of India has died out, mainly because it is now next to impossible to find people who have sufficient uh, grasp over two languages, uh, you know, to be able to read and understand and go deeply into in one language and then write with great felicity in another. So that other language, mostly when, when we say most Indians are bilingual, we really mean that those who are bilingual, for them English is one of the two uh, languages, right? Uh, so as a result, we are becoming islands in that sense. So those who don't read outside of their mother tongue end up reading only the literatures from their own region and that larger story of the world where you are cutting yourself off from other parts of the world is being defeated in India where we are cutting ourselves ourselves off from other parts of the country unless we recognize those bits, you know. But perhaps the possibility of better and better literature coming out and literature that's accessible, uh, you know, it's idealistic but one can hope and I do think there's a real possibility of multilingualism returning. Yes. Some point or the other. And translation yes. will be a yes. massive driving force. Yeah. yeah. Even if it means translating via a bridge language now, I think it still needs to be done. Yes. Or in pairs, you know, people who know one language well and the other slightly. You pair them with just their mirror image. And then the two of them together can work on it. So this is an experiment that I'm actually going to be trying because I teach at Rishwara University and one of the things I teach is some translation courses. So this is something I've been plotting for some time and now I plan to try it out once we get back to campus after the pandemic ends. This sounds very exciting. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you that we've actually far exceeded the given mandate. Uh, But it's been lovely. The book is phenomenal, uh, really enjoyable and, as I said, insightful read in many ways. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks, Yuvanika. That was indeed interesting because to know more about translations is also very important because we only talk about fiction, non-fiction and um, translation is a very important category in our festival. Yeah, and in general, you know, I'm very much in agreement with the idea that we have to facilitate translation as much as possible, especially that lost art of multilingualism, uh, you know, being able to read literature from another state. And that, I think, is very important even to the development of a national consciousness or whatever this idea of India would be. You know, if we are in touch with the... And it's actually, there's so many similarities and then some crucial differences. So, and also because we'll get to know so much about their culture closely. Yeah. So, uh, otherwise we are deprived of it. We don't know what's happening. If something is published in Marathi and perhaps if I don't follow Marathi, then I don't know exactly. I've lost... Yes. And so, if it's translated and it's uh, in a language that I can follow, then it's which preserved. is basically English stroke Hindi, then it just kind of becomes convenient. Something like a Tamil book, perhaps I'll never pick up. Yeah. But then if it's translated, then it becomes easier for me to pick it up and read. But you know, the long-term goal would be also to uh, return to that bilingualism, which is authentically bilingual and mm-hmm. not just one language being English. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if the education system 
you know our ideal hopes and dreams but if we had a new generation that was comfortable in more than one indian language mm-hmm. that would i think lead the way for a, a translation which isn't and even our festival focuses only on regional bhasha translation into english and from english into regional language but at some point if we could feasibly do regional language to regional language translations i think that would be really the way forward we would have hit upon a fantastic way to connect <laughs> that that definitely is a a difficult task it's a i pipe think dream. yeah it is but we will achieve it someday someday amen Sunday. <laughs> so thanks very much Arunava for talking with us and it's a great book. We've all really enjoyed it and I can't wait for the session. I think it's going to give us even more insight into the book and everything around it. So we have to I think start wrapping up now because the interview itself was pretty long. But Nidhi any last thoughts you want to leave us with? Mm, nothing. I think there's so much that I want to know about translations right now. So I have nothing nothing more to share but to absorb so I think we'll wrap up and I promise to meet our listeners same place same connect